This is Seven Sports. Welcome back to the Zone Brits podcast, episode three of the NFL podcast from Seven Sport. We are a bunch of hapless Brits. We love to cast our eye over the goings on in the NFL. I'm your host, Kelsey Demaria. I've got Alex Pates Cook and James Campbell with me. Boys, how are we? We're, we're really good. Um, you know, really good week. Decided to talk about football. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Alex, how are you doing, man? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing good, man. Um, I'm currently uh, on my third audio setup in three <laughs> separate weeks. Uh, the, the first the first setup that was a little bit crackly. I was just borrowing a headset from my other half. This, yeah, week two, I managed to get a very very nice professional looking microphone off my other half's mum. I had to return it, so now <laughs> I'm just rocking it with the headphones and a lapel mic so i hope this works very excited to talk about football as well <laughs> um, can, we, can we can we just take a, a a moment as well to uh to appreciate that james and i have both donned the uh the attire of our chosen nfl team and alex what where's your falcons gear today man okay okay you want to take shots okay but full disclosure I got back from the gym like about an hour ago. So <laughs> you guys want to rep your athletes. I am just living like one. So who's <laughs> laughing now, eh? Got to get oh. my 40 time ready for next year's draft. <laughs> I'm a little bit disappointed, mate. I won't lie, but you know, we'll let you off so long as you uh, come uh, next time with the full head to toe Falcons gear. I'm talking beanies, hoodies, jerseys. And if you can get some joggers or some socks, We'll, that, yeah. I, I, that's that's possible. Uh, I've got Keanu Neal, I've got Tony Gonzalez, or I've got Roddy White. I've got a beanie hat and about like three different hats. So yeah, I can manage that. Sweet. Uh, I look forward to it, mate. Um, right. So <laughs> basically, basically, schedule release is uh, one of the big topics, but we're going to lead in with the international series that is back this season in 2021. Two London games. They're coming back to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. The Atlanta Falcons, they will host the New York Jets on Sunday, October 10th. And then the Jags, the adopted UK team, as it as it pretty much seems, uh, they are coming back over across the pond and they will be at home against the Miami Dolphins a week later on Sunday, October 17th. So both those games, I think, are 2.30 p.m. kickoff UK time. So 9.30 a.m. Eastern, I believe. Are we excited for the London games to be back, boys? Dude, okay. I'm a Falcons fan. I haven't seen them live since they lost that heartbreaker against the Lions in 2014. I get to see. I could get to see Kyle Pitts live. That's really exciting. And also, their game is one day after my birthday. What do you think? Of course, <laughs> I'm excited. And then you'll get to see the Mormon Aaron Rodgers uh, shred your defense. Uh, <laughs> come on why you gotta do that do me do me dirty <laughs> great um great news for for you alex with the falcons coming back over um i remember the uh the one and only time that the cardinals have been over here um let's just ignore that completely getting blown out 33 nothing 
by the Rams. Yeah, one of the th- rough time. One of the one of the things that was very annoying for both me and James personally last year was uh, the London. I don't know if you would remember this, Kelsey, but the one of the London games was slated to be the Falcons playing the Broncos. Oh, and I did not. We that were hyped, oh. was so hyped, <laughs> and the cruel hand of COVID just yanked <laughs> it away from us. So it feels bittersweet, but. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to get this consolation prize, definitely. <laughs> um, needless to say, I imagine that you will definitely be trying to bag yourself some tickets to uh, <laughs> see that again. The, uh, COVID, de- COVID depending, of course. Yeah, I mean, I've, I think with restrictions that are, that are sort of slowly easing by the time that the 10th of October rolls around this, this year, they uh, should be at fairly decent level towards capacity. So um, hopefully all you... Falcons fans out there, all five of you, uh, looking forward to the Jets, uh, well, wailing on your team when they come over here in uh, in the, six months' time. Those fans are all directly related to me, so they will definitely hear that message. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's ultimately a good thing for the NFL to be back. And, you mm. know, I think is the international series was really missed last year. And um, I think London is a fantastic event, you know, is a fantastic place for in an NFL game is uh, the Tottenham Stadium is a fantastic state the art stadium is um, I look forward to going and seeing what it's going to be like there and um, in all seriousness I think the Jets I mean we can say it's only the Jets and everything but I honestly think that's going to be a really competitive game and mm. the Jets there are signs of life like if you're a Jets fan you can be excited that there's you've got um Roberts uh, Salah and um, competent coaching, um, mm. an aggressive defense, and Zach Wilson. I mean, like they went out, they built around him. And they've got I mean, he was my favorite quarterback to watch in college last year with his style. I mean, we need to see how he translates the NFL, but he was fun to watch. Just you, like, you've got some potential, real good quarterback matchups there. You know, you've got Matt Ryan. Who uh, Alex oh, will, oh, will oh, oh, want to say yep. something here? Go yep. on, go on. I'll let you. I'll uh, let you have your moment. Okay, thank you. Uh, on on this day, the the day of our Lord, Monday the seventeenth of May, it is Matthew Thomas Ryan's thirty sixth birthday. I'd just like to wish you a happy birthday, Matt, on the very very small chance that you are listening to this. And <laughs> I love you forever. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> back to the original point. Um, yeah, some good quarterback matchups. There. Real potential. You know, you've got your Matt Ryan against against Zach Wilson, um, and then Tua uh, against Trevor Lawrence could be some a, real, real good uh, matchups. There. Uh, uh, something that they they are very used to being compared to each other from all their days in college. I would like before I sort of like start talking about how great Trevor Lawrence is and stuff like that. I would also like to say that. Props to James on the hype for Zach Wilson. He was the first person that I knew, and this is a before like proper Twitter pundits were talking about him. He was coming to me at the beginning of uh, this season, telling me Zach Wilson is gonna shoot up boards. So props to you, man. You called it. Fair, yeah, fair play. He I mean, was his boy. Is, the thing is, we there is a difference between being my favorite quarterback to watch in college last year and. NFL projection, right? So there was quite a few things 
that I loved about his play, like his strong arm, his ability to run, to make throws on on the run. Um, but I mean, that was exciting. But I do wonder how he's going to cope with pressure. I mean, like his only real game that he had coping with pressure was Coastal Carolina. Didn't have his best game, but toughed it out. You know, like. Um, but there wasn't much incidences on pressure because his line was good. But oh man, what some what some lineups like QB wise, like it could really turn out to be. Like... Some of those some of those throws that he was making on his pro day. I mean, I know it's a pro day. There's no one in his face. What have you? You're you should not be that accurate throwing running backwards onto the other side of your body. Like that was that was freaky. On, on the run, and yeah, like he routinely made those throws in college, like routinely 60 yards down the field on the run with accuracy. And yeah, tough. I, yeah, like, literally. Some some people would cynically want to say something, make some allusions to Johnny Manziel and the way that he was playing. It's a different kettle of fish, and if you plan your offense around him, you're, you're going to get something good. I really do believe that. I mean, I've always called him Mormon Aaron Rodgers, I've never believed in the Mormon. Um, in Mormon Johnny Manziel comparison that people uh, have been spreading. I'm, I mean, Mormon Johnny Manziel is kind of an oxymoron in and of itself, so that's <laughs> probably a good thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, other than that, the yeah the two, the the uh, matchup between Tua and uh, and Lawrence is something that I think would be definitely something to watch. You know, the duking it out, the right mm. the rightful kings of Florida that mm. aren't fifty years old. <laughs> Tua going into his second year as well in uh, in his rookie contract against uh, Trevor Lawrence. I feel like the spotlight's going to be on him a lot this season, as it always is with rookie quarterbacks on their second year. I was you know? just about to ask, really, like, do you really think it's a make or break year for him? Like, I kind of I... feel one way or about it, actually. But... I don't think it. I don't think it should be. I mean, it's his second year. Like, I, th- mm. I think our attention spans are becoming too, too far, too short. Do do, do you quarterbacks. in in that respect? Is it a case of you look at what Mahomes did in his second year, and you look at what Lamar Jackson did in his second year, and then to an extent last year, Kyler Murray was in that MVP conversation for the first sort of eight games of the season. Yes, you know, you don't crown an MVP after eight games, but you know there is always that hype surrounding mm. that that second year QB. So. It, 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 I feel like the spotlight will be on him, but as Alex said, I don't think it will be warranted. I don't think you need to be casting him under the microscope so soon in his career. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unfair to compare guys to two of the most two or three of the most dynamic guys that are currently out there. You know, uh, Patrick Mahomes, for example is a really, really unfair comparison for literally anybody. I don't, nobody should be doing what Patrick Mahomes is doing, not even Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) Lamar is a ridiculous athlete that has Greg Roman's offense, which means it's obviously going to highlight everything that is good about his game. Uh, Tua, I do believe that he has the chance to be a, you know, a really good quarterback. I do. I think that his ceiling taps out in the top five. Probably not, but there is value if you let him develop in getting a quarterback that's in that top twelve range. You can win with Tua. You might not win as much because of him as you would with a Patrick mm. Mahomes or a you know a, a Jackson or Kyler, but 
do you really want to risk bailing out on him and getting somebody worse? That is the mm. question. Well, I mean, an ideal development curve for Tua, I feel, would be Dak Prescott. But you see, mm. you want to see what the Cowboys have done with Dak Prescott. Okay, the training wheels are very much on with year one. Like, mm. like no one's going to have that rookie season adapted. But no, you want that. Okay, the training wheels are off now. It is, yeah. You want that meaningful progress, and if yeah, you see that meaningful progress to the extent where you think, yes, this is. I mean, I don't think there's any question about whether he's Miami's guy. He clearly is. He was from the start, but I feel like there's enough questions now mm. that if if he doesn't take meaningful steps forward this year. Which I don't think would be the case. I expect to see those meaningful mm. steps. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, natural it's the, progression. Yeah, yeah, it's the case of progression. I'm willing to start entertaining some of these questions if he's like you know his stats and his mm. just general demeanor in the pocket, all that sort of stuff is exactly the same as it was in his rookie year. You basically want to see progress. I think they've uh, put him in a good position by investing mm. in Jalen Waddle somebody that he's familiar with and is a really really good receiver. A lot of people had him above Jamar Chase. Uh, James is nodding very, very passionately at me right now. <laughs> uh, you know, combine that with Devontae Parker, who's a really, really good complementary skill set with someone like Waddle. He's got Giuseppe over the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, they're doing what they can to to make, his, make him a little bit more comfortable in putting on his big boy pants a little mm-hmm. bit and making some more of those decisions himself. And I think that's good. I, I'm excited to see what he does. Well, he'll have a, a fairly tough couple of games to uh, to open the season they uh, they go on the road to the patriots week one no sorry they're actually home to the patriots week one i believe uh... um and then they are against the bills in week two which leads us very nicely into the uh, the schedule release that happened uh since we last were on the podcast the uh, 2021 nfl season will open with the buccaneers super bowl champion tampa bay bucks tompa bay bucks or i should say they own oh my god groan (laughs) they will face off against the dallas cowboys um on thursday night football on the 10th of september or the 9th of september um whichever one it is thoughts on the uh the initial schedule release boys one of my thoughts um is uh, the saints have way too many primetime games they've got five and they don't even have drew Brees. i mean are you going to be one of watching jameis winston on uh (laughs) on primetime that's a lot of uh, games to potentially see a, a running back slash fullback play um, quarterback. <laughs> uh, like I don't know. With the in regard to the Saints and stuff, generally you see, I find at least anyway, the reaction by the broadcast media analysts, all that sort of stuff, is tends to be a reactive to the year before, and they get there yeah. always a bit of a, there's a bit of a like a bit of a delay on those things. Mm-hmm. The Saints have a history of being really good with Drew Brees. If they really tank it this year without him, which I personally hope they will, and I can see a scenario where they do, then we'll start seeing them fading into more obscurity. It's generally that, yeah, there's generally a, a year that the media has to play catch up, especially the mainstream media. So it is what and, it is. And the other thing is, like, coming into this season, with the NFL's new TV deal from 2023, the there was a new component specifically for this season um, that comes into play with the TV deal, and that is flex 
Monday night games. I mean, you talk about a lag. Usually the ESPN games on Monday night football, they are the games where they've done it from a year in the, uh, previously and thinking yeah. this would be a good matchup. And then suddenly, come December, those teams are out of contention and you've got a dead rubber, really. It's, so- it's a, yeah, it's about as useful as mock drafts in November. <laughs> it's this it's the same sort of thing. Mm. I mean what, if you're talking about talking about primetime games and how you know we mentioned the Saints have got have got five. Um the NFC West, okay, the Rams, the 49ers, and the Seahawks, they've each got five primetime games as well. Um the Cardinals set to play in three, including one on Christmas night, um, which I'm excited about. You, you're looking at that and you're thinking, man, the spotlight is on the NFC West just this year as one of the toughest divisions in football. It's a sexy division. Mm, absolutely, mate. When you've got uh, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson still up in the air, who the uh, quarterback will be in San Francisco. I mean, imagine it'll be Trey Lance come the uh, sort of, you know, week three or four. I can't imagine Jimmy G will be the start for very long i i mean i mean the coach i mean the he- look at the head coaches that they that are running the nfc west as well you've got three really young dynamic masterminds and also pete carroll who is seven <laughs> who is, yeah i mean granddad pete is a 70 year old man but with the heart of like a the like a 15 year old with adhd <laughs> or something he's just so excited to be as he's a golden retriever in an old man's body <laughs> like it's it it's really wonderful to see him out there but yeah you know between those guys there's a lot of things for the media to key in on and also mm. it happens that you know all the teams have potential to be really good i can see why they're pushing their bets on mm. uh, all of those primetime games for them yeah they've got good quarterbacks and yeah the the thing is like these league. flex these flex games are on Monday night football after week twelve. I mean it, it's huge really for me because you get some trash matchups like the Saints say. Like they say they've really fallen off because of bad quarterback play. You know, you can move on from them and um there is such a disparity between the haves, like the teams playing in prime time and the teams not. I mean the Broncos First time in 29 years they won't be playing on Monday night football if um, things hold up. Um, breaks an NFL record. Um, just uh, nothing really confirms the slide of um, irrelevance, boring and irrelevance, um, than, you know, not being able to play on prime time. And, um, you know, from a, from a practicality re- um, point of view, though, I mean, you know, we're, we're English fans. We should be pretty pleased if our teams aren't staying up ridiculously late for us to. Yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to watch my. I want to watch my games at six p.m. and be in bed by eleven. I'm an adult now. Well, with yes. with with the Cardinals playing on Christmas night, that's a. I think it's a ten past one kickoff in Boxing Day over here. So, I'm going to be napping at least two times on Christmas Day this year, as opposed to my usual one. Great gift for that. Great gift for the other half. Just depriving her of your company. <laughs> Um, are there any games that you boys, when you looked at the schedule and you thought, wow, this is, you know, the game, could be potential game of the year candidates, you know, any uh, ones that jump out you straight away? 
Uh, not for the good reasons, but I will get some okay. real. I will get some real Schadenfreude out of watching Tom Brady just absolutely dice up a Dan Quinn-led defense again, and not be <laughs> on the receiving end of it on the in the opener against the Cowboys. That's going to be quite fun. <laughs> um, Brady versus Belichick. I mean, that's back week four uh, Sunday night football. Oh, he has the. Does, oh, I, there was a article. I think it was on Bleacher Report saying that the that Brady might pass some sort of passing record or of some description against Belichick as well. So that's going to have some real media hype. First time ever, Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick. I mean, who gets to win the breakup? Basically, <laughs> even even though it's already not debatable, one of them won a Super Bowl the year after. I mean that that game. I mean where where it's situated, you know, week four with the roster that the Patriots have assembled in you know, the free agency and in the draft as well. You know, they, they drafted Mac Jones as their likely quarterback of the future. I mean, that... McCorkle, sorry. McCorkle. Th- thank you. McCorkle thank you. Just... <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that, that there could be a real yardstick for where Bill Belichick's Patriots are going post Tom Brady. Yeah. It, I mean, it's all the ex. It's always going to be a step down from the greatest dynasty that American sports has ever seen. But it would really be a statement game if he could bring out McCorkle and really stick it to Tom. And I think uh, he's definitely going to have some stuff up his sleeve specifically for that reason. I do believe that Bill is a petty man. He's going <laughs> to he's going to bring it. Uh, he, he's not above that. And you've got the potential added uh, incentive as well with you know crowds back in the in the stadia um, and in Foxborough, you know. That's going to be a nice little homecoming for Tom. It'd be nice to see what sort of reception he gets from uh, New England, um, the uh, Boston faithful. Um, mm. He's earned enough love, like for everything he's done for them. Mm. Yeah, uh, well, uh, yeah like, you know, like, just, like if Tom, if Tom Brady, you know, if Tom, if Tom Brady gets booed for leaving them, then it really does confirm some of the worst stereotypes of Pats fans that were from that <laughs> era, really. Like, you know, they've got no reason to complain about him after everything he's done for him. Really, come on. Um, I'm also looking forward to the Bills at the Chiefs. Um, that is on October 10th. So I'm not sure what week that is, just off the top of my head. I think that's week five, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Nice little uh, AFC title game rematch. Uh, Patrick Ooh. Mahomes, Josh Allen going up against each other. You know, Ooh. I mean, you're talking about two guys who early season sort of bookies favorites for potentially being in that MVP race. Um, you know, looking forward to it. There's a lot, yeah. lot of um, matchups around in the FC. Ra- uh, Ravens chiefs in week two. That's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Can Lamar finally get the can't beat Mahomes monkey off his back? Oh, that, that's going to be a fun game. Like, it's obvious that it's obvious, you know, why that's a primetime game. And also you've got the added, um, Added in there with the Orlando Brown trade as well. I know it's kind of like a minor, a minor story there, but you know, always looking to get one over on your former team. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man, a lot of lot of decent uh, matchups around in in that AFC. Like I said, um, what are some games that you have looked at and you've just thought, man, I can't wait to not watch that game? Are there any real damp squibs in? I in know that? anything with okay. the Texans. <laughs> I got one. Uh, the, the Broncos against the Chiefs. That first game in Arrowheads. 
Chiefs have a week 12 bye. Broncos play them in week 13. At Arrowhead, like Andy Reid after a bye is a thing, folks. I'm mm-hmm. not looking forward to that game, but it's also a measure of if the Broncos want to compete, it's put up or shut up time. And like that's like that's the yardstick. Um, plus five out of the last seven games for the Broncos being um, five out of seven of the last games uh, for the Broncos being um, AFC West games. Like Ooh. play the Chiefs twice, week 18, week, that'll never not sound weird, um, week, <laughs> week 13, and you play the Chargers and the Raiders. Like that is where your season's made. Like, you could lose a lot of ground. You could easily claw back your way into the uh, contention for um, playoffs if, you know, um, you manage to win your division games. And record becomes irrelevant. Like, it, they would still be meaningful games at the end of the season, regardless of your record. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, you are right. Andy Reid coming off a of bye week is such a thing. I personally <laughs> think he's been able, it's because he has an extra day to like fuel up on even more barbecue. So he's like even more powerful. <laughs> That's my theory. <laughs> Stupid um, barbecue saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. His mustache gets, get re- gets really big and blonde. <laughs> One thing that I sort of um, have noticed whilst having a little look at the, uh, the schedule earlier today, I am. Um, there's a lot of first-round quarterback matchups this season. I mean, we know that, uh, well, the only rookie starters that we know will probably start week one are going to be Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Um, uh, uh, do, do you mean um, first-round rookies, or do you mean yes, just yeah, first-round yeah, first, first uh, yeah. I was going to say most, quarter, <laughs> most quarterback matchups are first-round yeah, yeah. quarterback matchups. Yeah, I, yeah, I, re- I realise. Um, okay, you're looking cool. at, potentially, you've got Trey Lance against Justin Fields in week eight. 49ers at the Bears potentially that you would be that would like, be fun feel like Justin Fields is probably going to be the starter in Chicago by that time but we you know we don't know and then Trey Lance is against Trevor Lawrence in week 11 49ers at Jags and then McCorkle is up against Zachy Wilson twice potentially Ooh. twice um obviously Patriots and Jets play in week two and seven. Week two, probably maybe a bit early for, for McCorkle to be starting uh, in New England. But by week seven, you know, if, if Cam sort of, you know, isn't performing great, you could see Belichick maybe pull the, uh, pull the plug on his, uh, on his career as a starter. I, I mean... Yeah, I feel for Cam. I really do. He, he's his body has been through so much. Uh, I mean, he sacrificed basically his entire future NFL career for that MVP in 2015. The way he was playing, man, it was unbelievable. And then, you know, didn't want to sacrifice himself by jumping on the ball in the Super Bowl against uh, Denver when uh, he had a good shot at it. But you know, yeah, but... I'm sure James isn't too uh, <laughs> too mad about that. You know? Man, I would. Man, I can confirm. I was with him when he watched that game. He was not <laughs> mad at all. I mean, we had what made that game actually was um, we had folks from Carolina that game uh, that that year um, at university, and they'd be massive Carolina fans. And all day they were giving it the big in like, oh, Denver's gonna be rolled over. You know, Carolina's just 
easily favourites. So like, wait and see, wait and see, and yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I'm sorry, Nick. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> well, you know, after the way that the, um, the 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 Carolina Panthers were basically just given a buy into the Super Bowl by the Cardinals that year, then um, I'm pretty glad that uh, that they didn't show up in uh, Super Bowl oh, Fifty. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! I just realised something. Um, so there were only two teams that actually managed to beat the Carolina Panthers in 2015. Yes, we we know. Uh, it was the Broncos and the Falcons, Kelsey. How did mm-hmm. the Cardinals do? <laughs> um, I don't actually, I, I don't actually remember them them playing the Panthers in 2015. To be honest with you, um, probably for the probably for the best. Yeah, probably for the best. Just like you know, the Patriots didn't play the Falcons in the Super Bowl a few years ago. No, come on, come on, <laughs> dude. Come I mean, or the Seahawks playing the Broncos. <laughs> okay, so we all have scars. Got it. Yeah. We, we've uh, we've spoken quite a fair bit about the Broncos um, already, and want to speak a little bit more about the Broncos as well. Uh, Very newsworthy team. First, the uh, the good. The Broncos have hired Kelly Klein as executive director of football operations and special advisor to uh, to GM George Payton. Pan, don't know how you say it. Um, that was announced on Monday. Payton. Um, James, I know you've got quite a lot to say about this, so the floor is yours, my friend. Oh, what a signing. Like, what a move for equality in the NFL is just a seismic step forward, really. Um, just, I really can't, uh, I really can't overstate how much um, this is such a huge um, deal. Like, this is the highest ever executive position. Uh, in a NFL football team um, held by a woman and is such a move quality, uh, for equality. Um, and an interesting tidbit, really, um, out, per Alex Marvez, who uh, covered the Vikings in 2017. So Rick Spielman said Kelly was twice as good as the, as the team's male interns in 2017. Um, so... Like, this isn't just a token move. This is absolutely based on merit. The NFL is the ultimate meritocracy. If you're good enough, uh, it will uh, you will find a way to succeed in the NFL. Um, and also, she gets scouting responsibilities and several departments to manage. So, um, like, I'm I'm really impressed with uh, George Payton and his. Um, the scouting work he's doing already. Now he's starting to put his own team together, and it's really exciting to see what the future will hold. I, I mean that that glowing, uh, you know, endorsement of her like of her record really is a wonderful retort to the inevitable comments and certain forums like. Why, why, does it, why does your gender have to do anything? Hire her for the right reasons. Yeah, 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 we did. They did. She's really good, guys. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing that, you know, it's taken this long. It's long overdue, but it's worth celebrating. I mean, Bruce Arians with the Bucks has, like, proven, like, that diverse, like, voices in a coaching room and in the front office really works. And that's spreading as well. It's great to see other organizations getting in on that. Hmm. Yeah. Um, as as you both sort of alluded to there, you know it's taken long enough, and 
you know, as James mentioned, absolute seismic shift really in the uh, in the landscape of uh, front offices in the in the future. So, you know, good luck to Kelly um, in the off chance that she listens to this, which she almost definitely will. Um, she, and, she, she she seems like a connoisseur of culture and taste. So, yes, I think she definitely watches. She's the one that one view we have. <laughs> so, that's the good for the Broncos. And obviously with the good comes the bad as well. So as obviously you boys know, as I'm sure people may have seen over the last week and two weeks, maybe that, uh, no, it's about a week, isn't it? Um, Former Denver offensive tackle, Jawan James was cut from the Broncos after tearing his Achilles. Um, away from the team facility and he has lost uh, more than $10 million, I think, in salary, I believe. What are your boys' thoughts on this? Uh, I know James will have some 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 big thoughts on it, but Alex, we'll start with you as the non-Broncos fan. Um, I, I, I have a lot of feelings about this. I really do. I mean, well, oh, first, we're open for the feeling for the feelings farm, mate. So okay, come on. Okay, okay. Leaning back in my chair, it it sucks on a human level. You hate to see anybody, you know, go down with an injury one and damage their, you know, long term earnings potential as an athlete. That's you know that that comes with every injury. The fact that it feels kind of like a cynical move on the Den- on Denver's part to me. Um, it, it, by all accounts, I've heard a lot of online rumblings about how it was a misstep of hiring Juwan James in the first place, you know, because obviously he was marred by injuries and he had to... Was it, did, am I right, James, that he sat out last year or was it because of, co- uh, because of COVID or was he injured? Well, I mean, this is a guy who's only paid 63 snaps for Denver in two years. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The pot, yeah. The, so yeah the, po- the first year was injury. This uh, last year he sat out because of COVID. Okay, yeah. So he's not, yeah, it, it seems like with that, you know, with his injury history and sitting out because of COVID, that kind of thing. It, it fe- I know that there was a portion of the Broncos fan base and probably within the organization, just, you know, I'm just speculating there that were sort of like looking for an excuse to sort of jump ship. And mm. ca- it's, it's kind of capitalistic. It's not like he was going out and doing something very irresponsible, like, you know, like joyriding or, you know, shark cage diving, bungee jumping. He wasn't doing any of that stuff. He was working out for his job. Mm. He, from what I've, I've heard some rumors and some, uh, specu- um, you know, some rumors going around, mostly on Reddit, granted, but um, <laughs> saying that the the place that he was working at working out at was actually recommended to him by a member of the Broncos training staff as a suitable um, uh, substitute for being you know within in team facilities. So again, it feels a bit like he's getting shafted a little bit. I can understand completely why players across the league have reacted the way they did. You know, like Mahomes wasn't happy. Loads mm. of te- loads of players of like have responded very, very negatively to this because it's like, a, well, they, they want to show solidarity to one of their, to, to one of their boys, one of their, you know, because they're all, they're all going out on the line, putting themselves through a lot. Their bodies are going through hell. 
to get to the level that they're at. You know, you just, yeah, I, I feel like he, he's been, I feel like he's been shafted a little bit. I really feel is, for the is, guy. Is this maybe where, where there becomes a real good argument for, uh, you know, ex-players to move into sort of front office roles once they finish playing? So they have that perspective. I, I mean, I'd be all for it. Yeah, I like yeah. It sucks. It I don't know more. I haven't really got any more intelligent insight into uh, into this other than it sucks. I don't like it. I understand the you know the, the cold business stuff, but ultimately, like you know, where's the humanity in that? You know, and I know that it's a business and all that sort of stuff. But you got to do right by your players. It's not his yeah. fault that you signed him to that deal. Mm. But don't like deprive don't deprive his family of like you know that payday because you mm. you feel like you made a mistake with him. You know, I mean, I mean is, it, is it like an epidemic in in Denver of players getting injured? You know, uh, away from the facility because didn't uh, Deshaun Hamilton also suffer a torn uh, knee ligament? I think in a workout uh, he tore his ACL away from the team facility just as the team. Like his time was kind of up anyway, but um, yeah, they were trying to trade still, him. Still so. Trying to train him. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Must be something in the water in Denver, you know. Um, well, James, what are your thoughts on it? Because obviously, as the Broncos sort of correspondent in this uh, this trio <laughs> that we have, um, I imagine you've got a lot to say. Okay, so Juwan James signed um, when he signed his deal. He had a twelve million dollar signing bonus. Um, so I think his first year he had five million in um, in base. Base salary, so um, for sixty-three snaps, he's already been paid seventeen million dollars. Okay, the cold—I mean that—that's the cold reality of the situation. He has, Juwan James has been handsomely paid by the mm. Broncos already. So, I mean, I do sympathise for him with the twenty twenty season. He sat out for COVID. I don't think anybody should be holding. You know the the fact that he sat out because of COVID, like that is his personal choice. Is one I completely understand, um, but it's the optics of I'm going to sit out and being this. He's what's known as a hundred percenter. Okay, so Jawan James has to be a hundred percent fit to play. If he's not a hundred percent fit, he will not play. And the impression in Denver through coaches um, was that he's not prepared to gut out an injury, to gut out playing hurt. Um, where you see Garrett Bowles, right? Garrett Bowles got torn to shreds by many in the Denver media, undeservedly. But what he's always done is he, you can rely on him to play a thousand snaps a year rock solid, reliable, you know he's going to be at left tackle and like there were games where he really shouldn't have played and he's gotten it out somehow playing decent at left tackle and um, you know it's just that juxtaposition of Juwan James against Garrett Bowles and it's is he doing enough to to win back that trust um, for the coaching staff, for the GM, for the front office, and not really. Um, and I think with the depth of the players' feelings um, and the situation, like because it's outside the team facility, per the NFL CBA, 
the team are not liable for that sort of injury. So his $10 million salary is guaranteed for football-related injury. And because it's outside team um, facilities, it's considered a non-football injury. So he's on the hook for losing $10 million. Um, and the team are, you know, there's there's debate about whether the team can go after the $3 million that remains of his signing bonus. Um, but on the whole, it, it's a tricky balance between having to do right by the player and the person and having to do right by the team that every NFL team has to has to tread. Um, I do believe the team should really be paying his medical bills. I think he will be, um, he'll have some sort of injury settlement, um, but it's something that could get really, really messy. Um, is Juwan James going to file a grievance against the Broncos? You know, if he goes out and files an, a grievance against the Broncos, how would that actually affect mm. him getting employment from other NFL teams. Hmm. So it's, it's a tricky one for him as well to navigate in his future. I, I think a parting of the way uh, parting was always going to happen, even if he wasn't injured, to be fair. Um, but it's probably for the best for everyone that it's moved on and resolved swiftly. So, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because he has learned the lesson the hard way. And he will be the, the the poster boy now for for players skipping voluntary workouts uh, in in the off season. And you, you look at him and say, "Look, this can happen to you, and you can lose your money. And you know your signing bonus can be pursued, can be recovered by the teams, and that." So yeah, it's a shame it's, that it's happened to him, but it's yeah. The thing that stings about the whole thing is it's not like he was being irresponsible in of itself. It's not like he was shirking it off and doing other stuff. It's he, mm. he was still trying to get game shape and he did have the team's interest in heart. It's hard to not feel like on that human level that he's been done dirty a little bit, even though it's understandable. I don't know. Mm. I think I, I, I think I'm just, a, I think for me, it's just a, I'm a bit of a bleeding heart about this kind of thing. Mm. I can't help it. Um, I know it makes sense. But do you, it, do you it just sucks. do you think that it it should be obviously now in in now that this has come to light, I imagine it probably will be. But do you think that every agent and and even you know the union or the players' union should be explaining this to the players themselves in a lot more detail and putting a lot more emphasis on it, um, rather than having sort of player leadership? advocating for skipping voluntary workouts should that then fall to you know higher ups i mean i blame the nflpa i mean in terms of player unions the nflpa is one of the most gutless spineless organizations that frankly do not have the players interests at heart preach Um, like that is something that should have absolutely been made clear by NFLPA representatives. Look, if you get injured outside of your team facility, it's on you. And that should have been 100% made clear. I mean, I don't want Pat Mahomes' self-proclaimed face of the league button his nose into you know, the, um, the business of the Broncos and 
you know, and other teams and commenting on, oh, Broncos have done Jawan James dirty by, you know, it's not, it's not his concern. Well, there was a video of him playing basketball, I think, last year, or, or was it the year before? I think so. Surely he must have had that explained to him as well. You know? I, 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 I mean, in regards to the Mahomes like comments, I mean, I, I'm not going to fault the guy for showing solidarity with with like somebody that's in his position. You know, the, the the league in itself should be, on paper at least, a brotherhood. In the same, you know, in the same way that you know, you should, like other workers and other businesses and stuff should show solidarity with one another. You know, I it's I think that the NFLPA should have had the foresight definitely to at least look into the specific wording of these sort of like um, parts of those sort of contracts, because if you, it's short sighted to overlook any sort of ambiguity in these contracts, because you know that uh, an organization as big as the NFL is going to take advantage of any ambiguity in the language. It will favor the league. And if you want individual rights, you've really got to go through that with a fine tooth comb and stand up for your boys a little bit more, you know, and fight and see these things in action, uh, you know, see these things in advance. It's mm. definitely something that should have been fought for much stronger in the last CBA. And yeah, as, as some level, you're right, but it also does speak to if Pat Mahomes self-proclaimed, you know, oh. face of the league is so wrong on you know what he knows from the NFLPA, uh, then there's a wider issue. Like if hmm. Pat Mahomes doesn't know of this, you know what chances? I, I don't know. Bottom of the roster type guy have, and the thing that sucks about the Juwan James situation is he's when he's healthy, he's a really good tackle. Yeah, like he got the highest paid right tackle money for a reason. He was one of the premier signings when he was coming when he was leaving Miami. Despite missing every other year and playing, you know, it seems. But um, you know, he's a really good player, and that's that's what really sucks about it. I mean, I don't blame. I mean, a lot of people will say, you know, Jawan James is the biggest bust for Denver, but actually, Elway was criticised for not doing enough to man right tackle he goes out he pays the free agent bucks and doesn't work out and um you know it's not you know it's just happened it's just one of those things that's it just didn't work out but at the same time you want to wish juan james and his family the best i mean he's a good player he'll land somewhere and hopefully he'll do well so Mm. yeah i think some i think some sort of i think there just needs to be for me, at least anyway, some sort of financial gesture on their part, even if it is as much as just taking care of his medical bills and such, like you suggested, it just shows goodwill. And it will it'll sit better for me personally, at least anyway. It will feel like less of a cynical move. I wouldn't go after the $3 million in signing bonus and then I would look to pay his medical bills. That way... You underline it. Okay, he's at least getting something this year. Um, And even though it will be a June 1st NFI cut, it's not too bad in terms of, like, taste at least. If you go off, if the Broncos go after his signing bonus, 
he'll file a grievance. It'll just get messy for everyone involved. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it'll come to that, though. So. I, mean, I really the, hope not. The, the, the union obviously want to move on from this, but the union just keeps looking worse and worse the more you, you talk about this, really. I mean, they don't want in-person workouts, supposedly, for fear of COVID, but then they also won't advise the players to get vaccinated to be actually protected from the disease and now guys stand to you know lose millions for getting hurt while following the union's bad advice i mean i mean we are we are talking about a country that is pretty divided on vaccines generally so that is worth mentioning to be fair (laughs) um moving on from that a couple of things to finish with number one tim tebow is back boys tim (laughs) tebow back in the league (laughs) as a tight end (laughs) <laughs> reunited with, uh, with Urban Meyer in Jacksonville Tim Tebow's back if there was a guy to make that happen it's Urban Meyer isn't it I I love Urban Meyer I don't really care about what he is like as a coach I already love him for the, just the wacky sort of the moves that he's doing at the moment mm. like he's he's he, He's got this kind of like mad scientist approach to this sort of thing, kind of like a John Gruden sort of thing going on from what I can tell. Like bringing in Tim Tebow, he's putting Travis Etienne working out almost exclusively a wide receiver, if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken, which yes. is a crazy move. He's just like throwing stuff around, mixing it all in, um, seeing what's going to happen. And I've got to say, for, because it's his first year, I respect it. Hmm. There's... Um... Do, do you think he makes a roster? Do you think he gets a spot? Who's the other tight end for Jacksonville right now? Is it, is it Tyler Eifert still? Um, I, I, to honest, mate, I couldn't tell you, to be honest. I think it is still Tyler Eifert, but I'm not uh, 100% on that. Let's have a look. You know what? <laughs> I think Tim Tebow does it. I want to see. This is another reason why Jacksonville was such an interesting team this year. And, you know, for the London games, especially, like, Urban Meyer, that dynamic of what what he will be like in the NFL, is he going to be a Nick Saban level kind of disappointment coaching wise uh, in the NFL, um, or is he going to have have success? Like, you know, it's very rare for someone as successful as Urban Meyer in college to then flip the script and be successful in the NFL because it's one thing where you're dealing with 17 to 20 rolls, right? It's another thing dealing with grown NFL veterans. And how Urban Meyer copes with that will be a fascinating dynamic. And, um, you know, I mean, Tim Tebow, I mean, he's older now, but he's he was such a good athlete and... Um, part of me is just thinking, what if he just made that switch to tight end in 2012 rather than, you know, wanting out of Denver and because Peyton Manning comes in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I am currently looking at some of the tight ends uh, that are currently on the Jaguars' um, death chart. So... ESPN projects the uh, the leader the leader of the race um, in the four man tight end race to be Chris Manhurts, uh, undrafted guy out of uh, Kansas by the Bills, 
Uh, he spent two years on the Bills practice squad from 2014, 2015, had a two year stint at the Saints and then a four year stint at the Carolina Panthers before signing with Jacksonville. My team plays the Carolina Panthers twice a year. I swear I've never seen this man in my life. So that should tell you everything. Next up, it's uh, Shane uh, O'Shaughnessy, uh, a fifth year, uh, no, not fifth year, a fifth round pick out of Illinois State, two years with the Chiefs, New England Patriots practice squad. And then he's just hung around with the Jags since 2017. Again, nothing really to write home about. Yeah. And uh, finally, uh, Luke Farrell, uh, who I am just getting. Some Luke stuff. Farrell, what a blocker! What a blocking tight end. So, 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 we've got a, so, so we've got a blocking tight end. Okay, a great, <laughs> you know, a good blocking tight end is worth having. Is he going to stop Tim Tebow from taking a lot of um, taking snaps? I, yeah, I'm with James. I, I can see it happening. Like, <laughs> if this was almost any other tight end room in the league, I'd be kind of laughing at it. But I could. Yeah, I, I'm starting to think maybe we should start shoveling some coal onto the Tebow train, man. There's <laughs> uh, been, been a lot of uh, criticism about uh, Tim Tebow potentially signing with the uh, with the Jags. One man who uh, has come out in support of Tim Tebow, Kiss frontman Gene Simmons. I mean, that is a glowing endorsement right there. So nice. tells you what you need to know. He's the bassist, <laughs> Kelsey. Come on, man. Well, you know, I don't really care for American rock bands, but there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> want to finish on a bit of Aaron Rodgers news um, still still wondering whether he'll be back at uh, at Green Bay at Lambeau next season James more, has got a little bit of info on this more Denver content very very Broncos <laughs> today yeah, like, well when you look at it I mean Drew Locke is not a good quarterback I mean, it's despite, time. by any measure, Drew Locke is not a good quarterback. It's time. Now, I have to feel like if a certain Aaron Rodgers was to come to Denver, how many wins does he add? How many wins would you think he adds to Denver's roster? Like, let's assume uh, most of the wide receiver core remains intact. Most of the offense stays intact. Uh, I, I, I would take the over eight. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a solid, a solid bet. Yeah. Right, that's in addition to the baseline, right? Yeah. So, if the chance comes to, you know, upgrade, that is something <laughs> that, you know, you would be mad to pass on. I mean, Vic Fangio is a coach who, I don't think he's on the hot seat. His defense is in vogue. Um, in the NFL at the moment. But it's also something where actually you want to maximize your chances of winning and Darren Rogers does that. Um, you know, you want to hitch that wagon. I mean, George Payton, he's going to be, he's on a six-year contract. So they've got the infrastructure in place. Now, mm. when we think about the rumors that's swirling around about Aaron Rodgers and what he wants i mean it looks like the needles moving you know it just seems you know apparently like in the media at least that um aaron Rodgers is looking more and more likely to come back to green bay but um you know there's this talk about oh well he'll 
sign a new contract and it's over money and all will be resolved very quickly. And, you know, some people will think that Aaron Rodgers is just using the Broncos as a sort of a, a leverage tool to get the contract he wants. But, you know, I think if you're Aaron Rodgers, you look at what the Packers have done with drafting Jordan, Jordan Love, um, you know, you kind of feel jilted already. I feel like if it was about money, you know, it would have been done. Um, I think it would have been resolved. I think there would have been people coming out on either side trying to resolve it. So to me, that really speaks about Aaron Rodgers is wanting a bit more control and I mean, some of the things he apparently wants. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's not about money at this point. It's about taking control over your own legacy and having the power within the organization. Everything that I've done for you guys, you're relevant because of me. Show some gratitude. I can still do this. Essentially, yeah. Aaron Rodgers wants to be the man in Green Bay yeah. for the duration of Jordan Love's rookie contract, which by definition would make Jordan Love not the man. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's, I mean, if you're Aaron Rodgers and what you want, where does it begin? So, like, there's already rumors about him wanting uh, Ludendisk gone, right? Which, it's, it's not a great look. I don't care who you are in the workplace, like any workplace, you don't do that. <laughs> but then, like, openly saying, well, like, you know, almost um, saying it, like, I want to have a say in draft, you know, and getting your replacement. Like, mm. you're the GM and you're going to sign, you know. Uh, yeah, there's, you're there's, trying there's, to sign the guy to extension and, oh, by the way, I want you gone after this year. And yeah. by the way, I want to, you know, have a say in your replacement. It's, yeah, it's that, it's that like two steps too far beyond what is like in arguably reasonable. There's, there's like I want to have a bit more input on how this roster is constructed in regards to the guys that I am personally dealing with and impact me as a player. And then there's I want to have control over so much that I want to be able to like go you know look further up the corporate ladder and be like you're out, mate. <laughs> like, like that—that's—that's—that's that, that's like a store system, be, like demanding the right to fire an area manager. <laughs> which, 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 and I know that you know. I'm pretty sure that we've all been in that situation where we've been like, "Oh man, look at this fool from the corporate." We could definitely, like, <laughs> we, we, if we like, put our foot down and demand that we'd be, they'd be gone, then you know we'd be able to run this place better. But we didn't get our way because, of course, we didn't. That's not how the world works. <laughs> What I, what I really like about this uh, whole conversation is that whenever James talks about the possibility of Denver actually getting Aaron Rodgers, you can see the smile just come across his face a little bit more and you can see the excitement <laughs> creep into him, which uh, Matt, it's like Matt, a killer Christmas. Matt, he's, Matt, he, he hopeful. He a hopeful boy. I mean, <laughs> I saw my heart ripped out on draft night where they passed some just boots. <laughs> he's never going to let that but, go. Um, you know, again, like you don't do that draft. You know, you don't gear your draft like that if you don't believe that there's a solution. And I mean, you can be a bad team, right? You can be an awful team as long as you're fun to watch, like the Chargers, mm. right? Awful team, fun to watch, 
because they got doesn't <laughs> have a competent offense. But um, no, seriously, they'll be a good team, I think. Um, but um, <laughs> you can be a bad team and interesting, or you can be, you know, but you don't want to be a bad team and boring. And that's what the Broncos are. I mean, like, you go back to the international series, the lack of prime time game. Broncos are irrelevant in the eyes of the rest of the NFL. It, it's it's like it's 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 like the uh, the the Tennessee Titans for like the the better part of a decade, the biggest mm. like nothing team out there. You don't want to be in that position. <laughs> I I do, I do think though for the position that they are in, Denver and a lot of this is a credit to Patton, uh, Peyton. Uh, there is a real framework where an experienced and high-quality starter that doesn't need developing could slot in and do really well. The talent that they have in their offense, you know, with uh, between Fant, Hamler, Sutton, uh, Judy, uh, the running backs now, the line's pretty good now that you've got minors in there. A guy could do a lot of damage in there if, you're, if you've got an experienced driver taking the wheel. Like, it makes... It, it, it feels like it makes too much sense for it to be real. And in the year... That Tim Tebow comes back 10 years after that amazing 2011 season. Like, I, I'll be honest, like, Tim Tebow is the reason why I'm a Broncos fan. So, um, but, uh, you know, in the year he comes back, the roster's prime, like that 2011 squad. And when it came together, it needed a Hall of Fame quarterback to make it all happen. And it did. And it very much feels like the Broncos are on that. 2011 type level where the right quarterback I mean you know like I think Drew Locke will win four games right that's that's his ceiling I think Aaron Rodgers can win 14 games huge well that's a massive uh, massive point to end on I think uh, we've had a good chat about about the Broncos mainly for the last hour or so um, <laughs> normal service will be resumed in two weeks time where we'll try and avoid Broncos chat as much as possible. Um, and we'll be talking a little bit about something James mentioned uh, a moment ago about Vic Fangio not being on the hot seat. We want to talk about some coaches that may well be on the hot seat coming into the 2021 season um, and whether or not they will be out of a job come the end of the season this year. But uh, boys, as ever, Thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining us here, everyone, for listening. And we will see you in two weeks' time. Take care.